Welcome, everyone. Episode 117 of the Talking Fires podcast, a special one today. I'm excited for this one. Uh, it's been probably a little less than a year in the making. Uh, Kevin AC, San Diego Union Tribune, Padres beat writer, joins the show. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time and finally getting this going. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I, I do apologize that it, uh, it took so long. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. This is a perfect time to do it because we're not really doing much of really anything right now, sadly. Uh, what, you'd probably be at spring training right now at the usual time? Yeah, uh, gosh, uh, I think about three weeks ago. And so yeah. getting a little antsy. Uh, mostly I'm just uh, sad that uh, people don't get to watch, listen, read about, uh, enjoy baseball, in particular uh, in San Diego Padres baseball. Yeah, definitely. Definitely looking to get back to the ballpark and hopefully we can get some type of spring training going here. Um, Let's just start with the lockout, obviously. I, it's, a, it's an interesting question for me. Um, Vice Chairman Ron Fowler representing Major League Baseball in their labor union. Uh, but then you have Chairman Peter Seidler. You know, he's willing to spend you know, $640 million on the left side of his infield. So it's just an interesting, I guess, dynamic in that front office. And I'm curious well, what you've heard. Is Fowler in any way at odds at all with Seidler or is that, is it only because he's just representing major league baseball at this point? I think if you had to go either, or it's closer to what you just said, I mean, because Ron Fowler or for that matter, Dick Monfort, the chairman of the Rockies or anyone else was at that table representing major league baseball doesn't mean that they're one of the hardline owners. I mean, what, one of the mistakes that, that we all make is to paint, owners like with this broad brush that oh 30 owners they're all bad or whatever 30 owners they're all good or on the other side you know all the players are on the same side and and all the players have only good demands and the owners have only bad demands I mean absolutes are foolish um so no and the only the evidence I'll give you because I can't speak for them and, and they're not talking, there has not been a single owner that I know of that has spoken on the record about uh, the lockout or any of the labor issues, um, certainly not recently. Uh, the evidence I can give you is the spending began under Ron Fowler, when Ron Fowler was the chairman. That uh, you brought in Eric Hosmer, how whatever you think of Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer makes a lot of money. I think that's part of most people's issue with Eric Hosmer. Manny Machado was signed. Uh, and so, and obviously then the big splurge in August of 2020, that's under Ron Fowler's stewardship and certainly what uh, under Peter Seidler, AJ Preller did last winter. So there's the evidence that the Padres are one of the teams that could be held as, uh, apart to a large extent from the rest of the owners. And I think what, well, I'll, I'll go to this next question with Seidler. I think it was obviously a good look uh, that he put out that letter after the agreement obviously didn't happen. Uh, but what do you think of other owners not really putting out anything? Well, right. I, I think that you, I agree with you uh, in terms of that that was a good move. Uh, seemed like a really a no-brainer, actually. But certainly a lot of other teams did not make the same 
uh, gesture. And also I'll point out that the Padres are doing automatic refunds. Um, Mm -hmm. Other teams, some are not, they're not doing refunds. They're doing credits. Other teams are uh, waiting for fans to request refunds before giving them. But the Padres, it is my understanding. And please, if in 30 days you don't have your refund, let me know. But uh, I have no reason to to doubt that this will be the case, that if the lockout were to go on that long, uh, within 30 days, any tickets unused, those six games at home that were uh, canceled, that those will be refunded to people that had tickets for those games. So I think that's a big gesture. And I do think that it speaks to uh, the character of Peter Seidler, uh, Eric Gruppner, and how they do business. Yeah, because my family has season tickets, have had it since I was 13 years old. And they got an email saying, uh, my parents did that. Obviously, that opening day game, you'll be able to use, or they'll give you Mm -hmm. another ticket to get to the next opening day whenever that happens this season. So yeah, definitely a good move there. Um, moving to A.J. Preller, he obviously hired two of the guys that didn't really have managing experience with Jace Tingler and Andy mm-hmm. Green, uh, but then obviously pivoted. Pretty much felt like he was he had to pivot uh, to a, an experienced manager just based on the inexperienced manager thing not happening or not working out the first two times. Uh, what my question to you is, do you think that, AJ truly wanted to go the Bob Melvin route or was it more of an ownership thing saying, Hey, if think, think outside the box here, if you want to, in terms of the experience manager thing, like he did with Melvin, but it needs to be an experienced manager. I think a little bit of both. AJ Preller has demonstrated that he's going to do his own thing. Right. And that's going to be counter uh, sometimes, if not often to what other people might do or what the rest of us think is uh, smart. And sometimes it works out uh, to some extent and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, But I do believe, uh, this is educated speculation, that that Peter Seidler was heavily involved in the direction that they would go. Right, yeah. I I think, and do you agree with this, that ownership, especially at this point when they've let AJ do that with the managers the first two times that they should definitely have a say the way that how close this team should be to contending on paper? Well, I think that ownership should always have a say because they're the ones putting in the millions of dollars. Uh, AJ Preller is making millions of dollars uh, on on his new contract. So uh, the owner's who, by the way, are also making millions of dollars. Uh, The owners are the ones who have put in all of this capital and they have had to, you know, put in cash. And I think that's a huge deal. And it would have actually been foolish for the owners to not be involved heavily. Mm, Yeah. All right. So I had on Christopher Mad Dog Russo earlier this week, and he told me that Blake Snell and you, Darvish, aren't good enough to win a championship. (laughs) Do the Padres think that they need more frontline starting pitching or is Nick Martinez pretty much what they're going to get at the back end of that rotation and they want to focus more on offense? Well, the, the, the back end of the rotation, I don't think should ever be confused with like frontline starting pitcher, but right. I know what you're saying that it's, I mean, you, you got a lot of, you know, good teams that they're putting out their four and five starters is not somebody that you were really excited about before the start of the season. Um, here's the Padres problem. They spent a lot of money on Blake Snell 
and you Darvish. So if Chris, who, you know, by the way, his signature is to have really hot takes, right? Um, and the, if, if he's right, they're in trouble because they can't really afford much more, right? You're going to pay Joe Musgrove too, um, who, by the way, was like, uh, I believe, undisputably their best pitcher last year. Uh, hmm, where, you, you need more offense. Where are you getting any sort of money to get another quote-unquote frontline starter? So, man, you better hope he's wrong. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the injuries – uh, last year, obviously, I, I come with I don't know if you come with this opinion or this state, you know, statement or just thought last year, obviously, the whole rotation except Musgrove ended up having some sort of injury. Some were bigger than others. Some were pretty much season ending. Some were only smaller injuries. But I just don't see that happening two years in a row. Do you think that's safe to assume or they it's it's just hard to kind of imagine that everyone's going to be able to stay healthy you it's it's a great point you make and i would think that you know you're i'd lean toward you being right that it, it wouldn't go like that however i don't think that any padres fan can responsibly assume that things are going to go well for for this franchise that's i'm not saying they're cursed or anything like that but like you know no, no trophies in the in the cabinet. So uh, there's not a whole lot of playoff appearances in the cabinet. Uh, so I, I don't see how we can assume that. Um, and let's look at you know the reality is there should be some concern about you, Darvish. Now, do I think that he is exactly the kind of pitcher that can over the final two years of this contract be dominant? Absolutely, I do. But Let's take a look at history and, and take a look at last year. Take a look at his age. And I look, there's there's something to prove there. So I think that there are a lot of questions. And you're you're right about that rotation. I mean, obviously, Blake Snell, end of the season, I think it was sustained long enough, his success, for us to buy into it. Joe Musgrove, I believe that's who he is, what he did last year. Um, and there were a lot of injuries. And I think that that's something maybe we overlooked because of Snell's, you know, struggles early because of Paddock struggles um, early because of what Darvish, you know, he was out there pitching, even though he was injured and his struggles, we overlooked that there was, I mean, Adrian Morahone made two starts that and and Adrian Morahone was, you know, that's a pretty good number four or five starter, whatever you call him. So injuries were huge. But that shouldn't make us necessarily feel any – I guess it would make us feel better because, like I said, I agree with you, but it shouldn't give us a whole lot of confidence about this year. There's a lot to prove for these guys. How about someone who I think is probably going to end up having to fight for a rotation spot with Chris Paddock? I'm a believer in him still. Obviously, he had the UCL injury last year. For me, if I was Chris Paddock, my mentality going into the season would be, look, I just t- – just go pitch. Don't worry about the whole cowboy thing. Don't worry about being, you know, what you were in 2019. What do I have to lose right now? I have to fight for a rotation spot. It's not going to be given to me. And I don't care what anyone's going to say. I literally just have to go pitch, give it my all because, or else I might end up being traded or might end up not being in the rotation or being in a big role for the Padres this year. So do you think that Paddock should 
have that same mentality? And do you think he has an upper hand at the five spot or is it someone like Morahone? I'd agree with you uh, about his mindset. And I, more importantly, far more importantly, I believe that Chris Paddock would agree with you about that mindset. And actually he expressed that last year and it, there were, there was evidence that he, you know, did that last year uh, and then with the elbow issue. So first will be his health. And, and my understanding is that he'll be ready to, to go, but I haven't, I haven't been able to really kind of lock down where he's at. So I think that we still have to put a little question mark there. Uh, more home won't be ready until middle of the season at the earliest or uh, who knows when the middle of the season will be, but yeah. the summer uh, at the earliest. Um, so yeah, Paddock would, I think have the upper hand, but, I mean, he's in, I mean, you want to talk about prove it. He's in prove it mode for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't think that the leash for Chris Paddock would be as long as it would be for some of the other guys who we say have, you know, stuff to prove. So yeah, it's a, that's a big one. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the elephant in the room, Eric Hosmer. <laughs> how high, I have to ask, how high on the priority list is getting rid of that contract and trading Hosmer whenever this lockout ends? You know, it's high up there. I will say this, that I, that all moves, it's, it's interesting. I should say all most moves are contingent on possibility of other moves coming through. So there's scenarios in which they keep Eric Hosmer and they believe that they are, are good. Uh, However, it's just a lot of money. It's, It's just a lot of money to give a guy who has not produced. And as I've written as, uh, that, they're, they would like to move him, and that's just fact. And I can't say – I can't handicap it because I just don't know what the market's going to be like, and I honestly can't tell you, like, what are the Padres willing to give up? Is it Robert Hassel as a part of that? I, right. There has not been any indication that that's what they're willing to do. And that's my, my question. Understanding, yeah. yeah, is that they kind of need to. Uh, and A.J. Preller has – given up a lot of prospect capital there's not there's just not the the, that many of those prospects to be able to entice other teams with yeah that's that's the big question well two two questions how much are they willing to give up or how much are they willing to pay in that Hosmer 56 million dollars remaining on the contract and are they willing to part with someone other than Gore or Camposano to get a deal done I think they're at the point now where they would pay a decent size, a decent chunk of that because, you know, savings is savings, right? Mm-hmm. But then the, obviously you've got to say, well, so how much are you giving up in prospects? How much are you giving up in money? And I mean, I really, I just really can't handicap that. Um, and of course the Padres will tell you that, oh, we're fine with Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, both can be true. You, you can, want to get rid of them and not get rid of them. And then what else are you going to say that they want them there? And, you know, there really is a belief that guy brings a lot to the team. He has not brought the value in the Padres opinion. And I think it's, it's difficult to argue. He has not brought the on-field value that they expected when they gave him that contract. Yeah. I have another interesting question regarding Hosmer. You obviously reported, uh, this offseason that Hos- that the Padres front office had given up on Hosmer being the player that they mm-hmm. envisioned him being. When did they exact, do you have a date or a day or a timeline when they actually started, you know, thinking that? 
when they started thinking that that was uh, we'll go well, well let's go here we'll we'll say let's do this then the when they reached the conclusion that this happened was it when you were when you, no this is bad i mean i i remember the one story that i flat out said that and it was well before that but you know i think a lot of us wrote about it that in the summer it became clear to everyone that everyone in the organization pretty much that there were a there was a large chunk of the baseball operations department that was over eric hosmer and so there there you go i i this thing is just uh this thing is as you said it's become the giant elephant uh in the room and we'll, you know we'll see where it goes and so you just to clarify the summer of 2021 last season right yeah i mean look you've been hearing about that for longer than that right but that's i think what, it's yeah, a that's pretty big like, statement yeah. and and i don't just get to throw out uh statements um all right. the time like like i gotta be pretty responsible about this and so exactly. th- but when you got to the point where it was a consensus and it was actually pretty harsh was last summer okay yeah um, okay, let's see. In 2020, this guy was pretty pretty good. Now, yeah. a lot of people were pretty good in 2020, but it would have been kind of silly for the Padres to have been down on Eric Hosmer in 2020. Right, yeah. Okay, moving to this offseason, whenever this lockout you know, decides, they decide to reach an agreement, could you rank from what you've gathered who the Padres would want most post-lockout among the following three outfielders? Say a Suzuki... Mm-hmm. Chris Bryan and Nick Castellanos. Ha <laughs> um, ha. Say a Suzuki, I believe, but I don't know that this guy hasn't made up his mind where he's going to go, like to the yeah. Giants. I, I don't don't know that. Um, so, but in terms of what they believe he can be and the cost, that's a guy who really fits. Uh, yes, heard talks with both, uh, you know, or discussions about both Bryant and Castellanos do not know the extent of those discussions and both of them are going to be really pricey. Um, Michael Conforto is another one I think you could throw in there because of, you know, what he kind of season that they believe that he could have um, that he was expected to have last year uh, and, you know, the price also, but I do believe based on the cash that, owners have put into this organization the cash they have on hand uh what they're already invested in and it can't turn back now that there is the money to get any of those guys i mean i don't know how you could argue with chris bryant in particular the number of positions he plays right Uh, i mean wow that would absolutely be to me the, the the coup now none of these guys are are going to be cheap and uh you know there's still a part of me that says, man, the competition out there is going to be so fierce. What are they going to do? It's going to be a fascinating, whatever, uh, week, two weeks, three weeks, month into the season. I mean, it's going to be such an unprecedented year. Gosh, we're saying that for the second time in three years. This is going to be such an unprecedented year. Man, are people making deals into the second month of the season? I mean, it's basically like the trade deadline uh, extended. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and also kind of crazy. Yeah, Chris Bryan of those big three, or you can include Conforto in that, is who I'd go with. Not, not 
I'm not even talking about his San Diego connection, but his versatility. He's mm. already won. Um, now, with Brian and Castellanos, obviously the big two there, who do you think is going to come cheaper? I honestly, we, I don't know. I think it's pretty close. I, I do, but I, I have, I have no idea. And, and that's because I, I mean, I haven't got those numbers uh, or, you know, from people that I would actually say, Oh yeah, they know. And does anyone, I mean, we, we, we do these projections and then uh, they're, they're often uh, very off. And especially this year, I, I, there's just a lot up in the air. It's going to be so fast and furious. That's one factor. The new CBA, that's one factor. Where is the competitive balance tax and how much are teams uh, you know, like the Padres who would pay presumably a stiffer penalty this year uh, or going over this year than they did last year because it would be their second year in a row. There's just so much going into it that I'm highly uncomfortable getting too far into my predictions while still trying to say, hey, here's this what I've heard. Right. Okay. So just to confirm again with the whole outfielders, they think with cost production, what they think he'll bring, that Suzuki is the guy that they would probably most be, you know, wanting to target. My sense, my sense is that okay. that would be a excellent outcome. Or they believe that would be an excellent outcome. I I honestly I don't know how likely that is in that what you hear is that the Giants are his number one choice. Okay. Um, All right. Moving to the DH, obviously, with the universal DH being implemented, Nelson Cruz is obviously the big name that comes up. There's other other options out there. But let's say the Padres want that one-year deal with Nelson, or maybe they want two years. Let's just say one year, though. How do you know how much money they're comfortable with that? It, 12, 13 million, 15 million. Where do you see them? Ugh. I I don't know what their ceiling on that is, but the numbers okay. that you say are the numbers being put out there. Uh, I also don't know any more how serious they are about him. I'm not saying that they're not, but uh, that's quite the investment since he's not going to play the outfield for you uh, more than, you know, <laughs> super seldom. So that, that would be quite the investment. And it would actually surprise me. I'm, I, I think that it's a possibility, but it would surprise me. Okay. And now, obviously, trade market. I think, you know, Will Myers is obviously easier to trade than Hosmer. I'm in the camp that you don't trade him. I think you just go for it. I mean, it's the longest tenured Padre, fan favorite. Um, through the ups and downs, it, I think just the connectivity to us, he's been here through all of, 2016 and 2019 and 2018 um, and I think that would just be a great story if they could finish it off with Myers in a Padres uniform do the Padres lean towards wanting to keep him uh, yeah if you, again if you had to choose one or the other are they leaning toward or against yeah they would um, you know AJ Preller doesn't care about the good story I love that you right. do and I certainly do I think everyone knows it like well uh, and that I respect him, and and I think that he, you know, certainly can be. And a lot of people in baseball think that this guy uh, still hasn't reached his potential. Uh, so absolutely, he is both the easiest guy to, you know, trade big guys uh, that make twenty million plus. Uh, he's the easier one to trade. There's one year left on the contract. He obviously has performed better. Uh, and then he's the easiest guy to keep too, right? For some of the reasons that you mentioned and, you know, 
production and 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 all that. So uh, Will, by the way, you say he's fan favorite, and I that that you know that's great. I'm not going to argue with that. I think that Will owes a debt of gratitude to Eric Hosmer <laughs> um, because Eric Hosmer has become uh, the lightning rod, and I think that yeah. people also know that I've spent a lot of time at least being trying to be fair, if not sticking up for. Uh, trying to be fair to Eric Hosmer. And I think that a lot of, a lot, it's like, man, that guy can't, that guy can't take a step without some Padres fans uh, getting on him. And I think they forget that he changed the culture of the Padres and and that he has brought uh, a lot to this uh, team. And that moves like that, I mean, go back and look, read, go back and read some, some things about teams that have won championships and, and how things change over the years, and when a move that a move looks bad in one year and looks good in the other year, and it definitely looks good if a team wins a championship. And I, yeah, I get it, I really do. But I think it's unfortunate what has happened with Eric Cosmer. Yeah, I think. Look, I've said this on my podcast, YouTube show. People know that that I'm not the biggest fan of keeping Hosmer with Christopher Russo earlier this week. Uh, Russo. You know, he said on the Darren Smith show during Radio Row on Super Bowl week that the Potters should be patient with him. And Russo, after me going over stats and stuff, he kind of went on to my side and like, all right, if you want to trade him, trade him. Um, but more, I want to kind of direct this question more about what fans think about your reporting with Hosmer. Because <laughs> um, I think it's kind of funny. I think you're doing your job. You're trying to point out both sides. And I think some fans think that you're trying to defend Hosmer and do think, you know, go overboard to defend him. What do you say to that? I would vehemently deny that I go overboard to defend him. Uh, And if I defend him, I do believe that it's in the course of doing my job. Look, I'm human. I also have a heart and uh, I do, I do think there's a lot of unfairness out there toward him. Um, So there's that. Uh, I'll I'll defend the way I do my job and that I'm fair. And I think that Eric thinks I'm fair. And I think that anyone that looks at it uh, thinks I'm fair. And honestly, that's the absolute biggest compliment uh, that I can give. This is a fun and challenging time to be a beat writer uh, in this world because everything you say, I think, oh, heck, it's a challenging time to to be anybody. Um, on social media or anywhere uh, because anything you say is going to be construed one way or another. And if you have an opinion about how Kevin AC does his job, then you're looking at everything I do through the lens of what you, your preconceived notion. And sometimes your preconceived notion is based on misinformation. Sometimes it, it, it's based on fact and, you know, I'm not perfect. But sometimes that preconceived notion, which is going to color what you think of me, is based on a false narrative. And mm-hmm. I see it all the time because obviously I'm on social media. Right. Uh, and so so there's that. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that, get that out there, because oh, sure. uh, I, I wanted to be fair definitely towards you, because I know that you t- you really do work hard reporting on the Padres and doing your job. So I just wanted to put that out there and give you an opportunity to talk about that. Um Moving to Joe Musgrove, last question here. Do you think that this is more of an in-season thing, an, uh, an extension, anyone, both sides talking to each other on a possible extension just because of how short of a timeline they'll have to build their team? 
yeah, I think that you're on the right track there. This is, there's just a lot to do. And Joe Musgrove may have been uh, an off season priority or, you know, one of them to get done maybe like during spring training or something, but you've just got a lot to do. So unless they were real close and none of us knew about it, uh, then there is absolutely no reason why you don't renew him. Uh, and, you know, then you, you get something done after that. That probably, and I mean, I love Joe Musgrove. Love him as a person. Love him as uh, what I see him being a teammate. And like I said, was the best pitcher on that team. And if that's your number three pitcher, then you got a really good rotation. Um, but probably smart of the Padres too. I mean, the Padres, maybe they'll you know, catch a break here. Uh, see what he's doing after uh, 10 starts. That said, throws another no-hitter, has a 0.78 ERA. Might be out of their price range at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, before letting the audience go here, this episode is sponsored by Gaglione Brothers Cheesesteaks, famous subs, cheesesteaks. They're located in Point Loma and Sports Arena, as well as Petco Park, down the third baseline, upper deck. So go get yourself some garlic fries and a cheesesteak today. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk here on episode 117 of the Talking Friars podcast. Hey, my pleasure, man. Really appreciate it. A lot of respect for what you do. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, have a good weekend.